1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: You can't coach scared. You can't play scared. Um, you know, you can you can slip out of your car and have something happen to you. But, uh, you know, we'll be... If, knock on wood, everyone will be fine. You know, you see some of the great ones out there, you know, Kansas City's playing their guys, Buffalo's playing their guys. It's, it's not uncommon. Um, you know, you could always play the hindsight game or the, the fearful game, but what's in the best interest for our team is to go out there play some football together and, and prepare ourselves the best way we can for September 11th. Robert Sala,
1: coach of the Jets, regarding the decision to play Aaron Rodgers in the preseason finale against the Giants. The Snoopy trophy is on the line. Therefore, we must do what we have to do to win that game. And all of these preseason games are meaningful, as John Harbaugh would say. Now, I'm being facetious, and I think back to Rex Ryan putting Mark Sanchez back in the fourth quarter of that Snoopy Bowl years ago and getting Sanchez injured. And I I get the idea that, you know, life has risks. and. Oh, oh, something could happen to you while you're getting out of your car. I mean, a professional athlete isn't going to slip and break his arm getting out of his car. There are certain things that he does that have a higher degree of risk than others. Playing in a full-speed NFL game when you've been red jerseyed the entire offseason, training camp and preseason, that introduces a level of risk. It's a calculated risk. Yes, he can get hurt. It's a calculated risk. The idea that, oh, anything can happen anywhere, that's really a false equivalence because it's not like as you get out of your car there's a chance someone is going to tackle you. Yeah. On the football field is where someone is trying to tackle you. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, there's
2: risk. There's risk. But, you know, uh, also it's calculated risk here, and and you're, you're trying to, you know, take a little risk to get reward. And that's the big thing, I think, more than anything. You know, again, like he, he made the we're, we're seeing starting quarterbacks play across the league and do that. And, and of course, the team that won the Super Bowl last year, he played a ton last year in the preseason. And we saw Brady through the years play a lot in the preseason for the Patriots and games where we were like, well, I'm surprised they're playing. So, you know, again, there's something to getting used to that mess and having a feel for it to where, you know, you're better off during the regular season. And one of the things you learn when you watch Hard Knocks later today, right, and, and this is something I said to you yesterday, Robert Salas says this, I believe, to Quentin Williams, or I can't remember exactly who he says it to, but he just goes, you know, he, he kind of says, hey, even even eight's playing next week. And Quentin Williams is like, what? Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's awesome. And they're all excited on the sidelines of the last preseason game. But he says at one point, I don't want him – you know, Monday night against the Bills to be the first time you feel the energy of MetLife Stadium and the realization of, whoa, I'm on the Jets. You know, you have a few moments of letting your mind slip or being caught up in the moment. Damn, Josh Allen and company are going to be up 14 nothing, And you're going to go, whoa, oh, crap. Wait, I'm just getting used to my new team here. So that's where I do think it's beneficial. Even for as great a player as Aaron Rodgers is, I think this will do him and the offense a lot of good.
1: And again, calculated risk. Protect Aaron Rodgers. He's old enough and experienced enough to know how to protect That's himself. Right. That's remember, right. Remember, he's gotten himself. He had that. The last time he had a serious injury was when he held onto the ball just a little too long to try to get a throw off to. Yeah. One of his. I think it was a tight end. Yeah, I can't and Anthony remember Barr who. Game. And Anthony Barr pulled him down and broke his collarbone, all because he was waiting for that guy to pop just a little bit more. You just can't play that game tonight. You can't play that game ever if you want to stay healthy, but he's at the point where I think he understands what he needs to do to keep himself on the field, to avoid a kind of a fluke thing, and uh, it's part of what they need to do. They can't screw around week one. They need that week one game against the Bills. That schedule for every team in the AFC East, that schedule is a killer. Chiefs, Chargers for all of them, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles,
2: for all
0: of them. They, they might have the first, the hardest
2: first 10, 10, 11 games in all of football, to your point, Mike. I don't. Is there a team that has a harder first 10 games than this right here? I mean, even if the Broncos aren't that good, it's still Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. It ain't going to be easy, right? I mean, is that, is that not murderer's row? That's what I think is the number one thing why they got to play them. They got to be looking at this, going, "We we got to be playing good football here early on in the season, or we're going to be in a spot where we got no chance to come back and get in the playoff race." And I think that's really a big reason you got to play Rodgers here.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anything, the Sean Payton comments about Nathaniel Hackett from several weeks back operated as a wake-up call for the Jets in advance that that becomes a game you circle and you don't trip over your own two feet and get caught between Chiefs and Eagles. You got the two Super Bowl teams with the Broncos as the, you know, the the uh, the baloney in the middle of those two pieces of high-priced bread. You're not going to take the baloney for granted anymore, and so that actually helps the Jets. But three and three is what Robert Sala has hoped for. Two and four is what more people think is realistic now that they have Dalvin Cook. Who knows? But that Week One game is cr- is critical because it very well could be. I've said it before, but I, it's As we get closer to the season, we need to understand this. It might be that only one team out of the AFC East gets into the playoffs because of that schedule that they all play. And at the end of the day, if you didn't win the division, your record gets compared to second-place team from a division that is a lot easier internally and externally this year. So it could be that the Jets or the Dolphins, let's say the Bills win the division, okay? And and I'm just saying it because the Bills have have become the best team in the division. Maybe the Dolphins win it. Regardless, we'll give it to the Bills. Yeah. The Dolphins or the Jets could be far superior to the second-place or third-place teams from the other three divisions and not get in. Yeah. Because of the way this schedule rotation works. The idea the NFL came up with 20 years ago that we're going to have every team play every other team at least once every four years. And every eight years, every team is going to come to your stadium so the season ticket holder sees everybody at some point, you get season tickets. Every eight years, you'll be able to say, I saw every team in the league. It's not as balanced for good and bad as it used to be. And it's this rotation. And some years, the rotation helps you. And some years, the rotation screws you. This year, rotation screws the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. Yeah, it,
2: uh, it's 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 a tough schedule. There, there's no doubt. Now, you know, we, we've had a lot of years, too, where, you know, the schedule doesn't shake out to what we might think it could have been or should have been or whatever. But this is one where I, you know, I don't see that happening. This is, these are some teams here where, like, you know, of course the the AFC West and, and just the Chiefs conversation and the Chargers – those are talented football teams. The Broncos are on a mission to rebound and get back on track. The Raiders are, you know, another team that's kind of on the same path there. And then we know the NFC East is real. I mean, when you're sitting there talking about Washington is the so-called fourth best team in the division, and they got that D-line and those receivers we talked about yesterday and the running backs and everything there, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding. And I think that's, you know, ultimately what we're talking about here and why there's a little urgency, you know, as far as getting Rodgers out there, getting this team together, you know, getting a feel for what his new O-line might be. That's something, too, here. Because, again, they're still trying to figure out who their perfect five is. That's still that's the biggest question on the football team right now, you know. You hear Robert Sala mentioning it a lot. You know, the the offensive line did not match the intensity of the defense early on in training camp. There's still questions there, and you know, I think that's part of why you, you get Rodgers out there too, just to to get a little feel for this O line and and see if they can't solidify their offense altogether.
1: Here's Rodgers talking yesterday about something he hasn't done since 2018—that is, suit up and actually play in a preseason game.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's always that risk-reward. I think over the years, it just hasn't made sense based on a number of different factors. But I used to enjoy playing the preseason back in the, back in my younger years just to kind of maybe take that first hit or feel the kind of the nerves in the first drive. So I look forward to being out there. Um, it was not much of a conversation with Robert. I think he was a little more nervous, I might have said, No, but I was already leaning towards asking him to play, so it was an easy conversation, and uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but it'll be good to be out there with the guys, and obviously there's been some shuffling around, some some of our front uh, back end today at practice. It kind of looked the way things were trending the past uh, week or so, so uh, it'd be nice to be out there with those five.
1: That's going to be the key. Can they keep? The defense is away from Aaron Rodgers does Aaron Rodgers have to kick it into overdrive and maybe strain a calf muscle along the way we talked about this in the offseason when he injured his calf pulling the sled or whatever it was they were doing it offseason workouts he still has the explosion he still has the twitchiness he still can can hit a fairly high speed for an older dude but he's still an older dude and those soft tissue injuries can happen so Even if he doesn't get hit, just the idea that he feels the wall's closing in and he has to accelerate, that could be the thing that makes the calf go. So he needs that blocking to be reliable. He needs it to buy time. He needs to get rid of the football. And he's still, you know, even though everything's been great, and he will tell you time and again how great it is, this is a new team. It's a new day. It's all new. And I do think it makes sense for him to play some. I don't know how much, but some. In this preseason finale against the Giants, yeah, no, it, it's the right thing there, and he'll, you know, he'll err on protecting himself, and
2: they'll, they'll call a game to make sure, you know, maybe it's a little more protect protection oriented or get the ball out of his hands. You know, they'll, they'll do everything they can at least that they can control to try to help it out. But you know, I, I think that it is what it is, and they need to be ready to go. Rodgers when you you know you talk about he hasn't played preseason game or he said since 2018 you know if memory serves me correct every year 2019 2020 2021 2022 every year except for 2020 the covid year uh they've all it's all started slow for Rodgers it, it has not been come out of the gates and just be on fire it hasn't and three out of those four years. So I think, you know, if you evaluate it just from a personal
1: standpoint there, you know, I think maybe it's something that's going to benefit him as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially this year. He needs it this year. The expectations are high this year. The Jets have reveled in the high expectations. They made a lot of money off of the high expectations starting week one, September 11, Monday Night Football against the Bills. That's when you have to start justifying those expectations. And that's going to be a critical game to determining the landscape of the afcs think of how differently we'll feel that tuesday the 12th of september if we're talking about the bills winning or the jets winning in the last game of week one of the 2023 regular season Dwayne brown left tackle cleared to return from active physically unable to perform list he underwent shoulder surgery in february makai becton will start at right tackle for the Jets this week, they've been doing everything they can to get the most out of Makai Beckton. He made some noise in the offseason. He's a left tackle, not a right tackle. Well, it's going to be Dwayne Brown and Makai Beckton, left and right, respectively. Ideally, and again, this is just a big part of what it's going to take to get the Jets to be as good as they can be. That offensive line is going to be very important to to the Jets' offense and Aaron Rodgers' performance. And if they can keep Brown and Beckton out there, that's right. That, 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 that's a huge bump. for yeah. the Jets
2: offense. yeah. Beckton played well the other night. I think he, you know he didn't have to come out because of injury or anything like that, right? Solomon made a comment last week like he's got to finish it, you know his, his, his allotted time out in the football field and show us he can play a full game. So he didn't start the game. They started what Billy Turner at right tackle and Max Mitchell at left tackle, if my mind serves me correct there. Right. But I think in yeah, their heart of hearts, you're saying it right. They want Dwayne Brown at left tackle and they want the biggest like damn most one of the most physically gifted guys to play right tackle. And it sounds like he's finally bought into, hey, I'll play right tackle. And he looked comfortable there the other night. That will be their best five if they can get him to stay healthy and get Dwayne Brown to stay healthy uh, because the middle guards the in- inside. Guards. Yeah, Sorry. are pretty damn good. And then and, and so we'll see where that all goes.
1: That's where I was about to go. Guards, Lakin and Tomlinson and Elijah Vera Tucker expected to return for the preseason finale. They both missed last week's game. So that's the key. And look, the teams, more often than not, that end up being among the best in the NFL. One of the key ingredients, five offensive linemen who are competent and who are able to play together all year long. They get better as they go if they can all stay on the field. And you have a swing tackle or a guy who just, play, you know, give guys a break. But I'm talking about the same starting five. Yep. You develop a rhythm. You know what your guy next to you is going to do. It makes your life easier. You can trust him completely. It's not some guy that you're like, well, I don't know anything about this guy or I'm not used to practicing or playing with this guy. You get those five guys working together. That helps the offense get better and better. And what happens all the time, and this is one of the realities of football, the linemen never get any credit because you're allowing all the other guys to generate the kind of statistics and performances and touchdowns that make them the stars. The offensive line holding together, being consistent, that is the key. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, we're going to take a look at which new coordinators will have the biggest impact This season on their teams. That'll be a draft that we do next on this Wednesday edition
0: of PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield... Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
3: Vic has been absolutely phenomenal for um, the players, coaches, the organization. Uh, It kind of fits exactly with... Um, what I saw from the beginning, I saw a lot of synergy in, in him and I, ironically. I think a lot of people
0: were like, huh? Um, when I say that, but, you know, the, the way we approach football,
2: um, the way that, that you know, our fundamental philosophies of how to teach um, accountability uh, towards the player um, and then um, the, the requisite, accountability necessary from players to to what we're asking them to do
1: there are certain tangible signs that football season is back from that smell of the grass in the air the the chill at night oh yeah football is upon us one tangible sign of the return of football season the baptist health pineapple in the background of all my <laughs> yeah adults. seriously they sent me a pineapple last year <laughs> Peter and I kept I don't don't please don't send me another pineapple I know where they are in the store it's just up the road I appreciate the gesture I don't need another pineapple one thing we learned last year inadvertently what it means when that pineapple is turned upside down we'll leave it at that for now uh but, uh, okay. Nevertheless, yeah. Big fans here. It's, big it's football season. The smell the is
2: there. The smell's in the air up here. My pineapple is there. Uh, yep. All right. Then yep. smell's in the air up here. We're having like a little bit of like, a, you know, like yesterday, the high of the day it was like 71 or 72. Last night, I think it was down to like 59 degrees here. So, yeah. Then
1: why'd you put your air conditioning on? Because my
2: queen of. My life, okay? My master
1: likes it on. It's too late. (laughs) Okay. It's too late. She's already turned off the show. She's already thrown a shoe at the TV for what you said in segment one. We'll see. It's too late to suck up now. I'll have a good feel when I Um, get home. (laughs) So, look, this is a huge impact for the Dolphins. They have a very talented team, and they have Vic Fangio there running the defense. There was some talk. Remember, there was some consternation about – Philadelphia and the whole Jonathan Gannon thing and was Vic Fangio going to be the coordinator there and the way that all happened there was some I still don't know what the hell happened and we never will know but Fangio was a hot commodity the Dolphins got him and that's huge you take an offensive brain like Mike McDaniel you pair it up with Vic Fangio you put all that talent out there at their disposal you got a damn good football team
2: agreed agreed Uh, there's there's I mean Vic Fangio come on this is one of the the best defensive minds in football over the last 20 years. And now you put them on a team with Miami Dolphins with, with that type of talent, right? And then an offense that attacks off of that that is going to put some people in some spots where Vic Fangio is going to be like, oh, okay, wait, we're, we're up by 14 or 17. Whoa, wait till they see some of these calls I got now. I don't have to be so scared. I can do this. I can do that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of potential there and that coaching staff and that football team in Miami.
1: All right, we're going to do a draft of the new coordinators who will have the biggest impact on their teams this year. And we have a trivia question. And for the first time in a long time, Chris is going to ask it of me. Oh,
2: it's it's a tough one here. All right, we're doing the coordinators, right? We got some young ones in the group. We got some older ones as well. But who is the youngest current
1: coordinator in the NFL? I'm going to throw a dart here. And I think it's going to be close to the bullseye because we had this conversation among the PFT writers. Drew Petzig of the Cardinals had some comments about where he's going to be, and there was a picture of Petsig, and he looks really, really young. So I'm just going to say it's Drew Petsig. Man, you're so close,
2: right? He does look ah. young, but their defensive coordinator, all right, uh, Nick, ah, Ra- Nick ah, Rallis sh- is – Thirty years old. He was twenty nine when he was hired. He's thirty now. So wow, what ascending career there. How old's Petzic?
1: How old's I'm
2: not. He's thirty six. So he's mid thirties. Yeah, he's all right. But that's. Uh, I, I like. I like. It uh, was a good guess by you. I'll give you some credit there. Um, But I'll still take the first pick of the draft.
1: Petzig looks really, really tiny among the players. And then, of course, when you're down there. I remember the first time my son and I were standing on the sidelines at a West Virginia game. My son was at that age where, you know, he's playing football. He's feeling like he's pretty macho, pretty big, biggest guy on the team. And he's standing there looking up at those guys. It's like, yeah, you ain't as big as you think you are. But (laughs) Petzig is like this little toadstool among the the, the the oak trees uh, in the picture we saw, and that's what made me think that maybe he's really, really young. Not as young as I thought.
2: All right, you get the first pick. All right, I'm going to just go there. I mean, that he was on the top of my list, and I'm going with Vic Fangio. Uh, one, it's the best roster maybe in football. I mean, it's definitely, for my money, top three. You want to put the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Eagles in that conversation. That defense has got studs everywhere. We discussed this the other day a little bit. They got big bodies up front. They got an unbelievable pass-rushing duo. They got an unreal secondary. There is no effing way they should have been the 18th-ranked defense last year in football. I mean, that, that that's why they made the change, because they went back and went, damn, we got – like, big-time players everywhere, and we're the 18th-ranked defense. So Vic Fangio, you couple him with that offense that's got the potential to be the number one offense in football, they could have, you know, top three offense, top three defense in football when this year's over.
1: Without question. And they don't have Jalen Ramsey for a while, but it really doesn't matter. They've got plenty of guys up front that can make a difference, and Fangio's a guy that can draw it up creatively, and the Dolphins, really, they may be the best team on paper in the division. They may have jumped the Bills. I agree. I, think I, I don't think there's the bills, any doubt about right? that. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. It's just a matter I, of keeping the, that key exactly Keep right. the key guys healthy. Exactly right. Keep the key guys healthy, and the Dolphins should win the division. That's, I think if we went position
2: for position with the Bills and the Dolphins, woo, you know, other than quarterback, I, I don't know. What other position? Tight end, maybe? I mean, after that, you get into it and you go, it, it's going to be a Dolphin landslide from there on out. So that's
1: where it's, uh, yeah, your, your point's definitely spot on. I'm going to go with a guy that we talked about yesterday, a guy that was a major top conversation a couple of weeks ago because of the clumsy comments made by his head coach who later tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube, and that's Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator in Washington. He's so potentially impactful that I really do think at some level Ron Rivera has to be thinking he could be good enough this year that we could face losing him, and in lieu of losing him, they might push me out and make him the head coach. The Lovey Smith-Dirk Cutter effect from 2016 in Tampa Bay. At some some level, and in some way the dominoes fall, that's the way that it plays out. Offense is a lot better. They don't want to lose him. Early stages of this relationship with, with Sam Howell, Oh, my God, somebody else is going to hire him? No, we can't have that happen. Let's just make him the head coach. No loyalty, no attachment, no history with Ron Rivera. It would be very easy for Josh Harris to make that, that mental gymnastics routine and say, I'm keeping enemy even if it means I have to part ways with Rivera. That's how impactful enemy could be. Uh, we've seen it happen before. We have. And, you know, like we talked
2: about yesterday, we, are, we already have seen the impact. We, uh, we we haven't seen Washington's offense look like that in a preseason game or, I don't know, really much of any time the way it did the other night. And that was a new quarterback who's inexperienced. So, yeah, we're seeing the effects there. I, I like that pick. He was on my list as well, of course. Um, the next one, I, I'm going to go with Todd Monken, uh, you know, the, the team they played on Monday Night Football. But it, I mean, it's, it's, it's Lamar Jackson. It's the first time in his career we can sit, legitimately sit there and go, Got some weapons at his disposal this year. There's there's some people he can throw to, right? And I just the offense itself. What's it gonna look like? How how much more passing is it going to be? They're the Ravens. They're not gonna give up on the run game. You know th- that's not gonna happen. And Todd Bunkin, he was the O coordinator at Georgia. They, they kind of had good running backs and ran the ball pretty damn good right? But what does he bring to it? How much creativity does he bring to the table? We've said in the years past where it's like if the Ravens can't kind of control the line of scrimmage and run the ball, the offensive pass game was not good enough to stand alone and carry the football team. I'm hoping that's going to be different. I think that's going to be different.
1: So let's see what Todd Munkin brings to the table. And look, I I hate to be this way, but I keep going back to this idea that the Ravens have gone out and hired themselves a Bill Walsh. I hear you. It's a little He's not all hyped. that accomplished. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's been out of the NFL for three years, and yeah, he was in Georgia, but come on, at college level, it's more about having superior talent, not superior schemes. They don't game plan. They don't adjust the way they do at the NFL level. I do give him credit, though. For getting Lamar Jackson involved in the construction of the offense and the design of plays, it's alarming to me that Greg Roman, the former offensive coordinator of the Ravens, wasn't tapping into his starting quarterback like we see other great quarterbacks relied upon to help with the overall structure of the attack. So this is good. You get buy-in. You get the players feeling ownership of the process. That's smart. Yeah. By Todd Monk. Definitely. But let's see how it all works. Let's see how it all comes together. He's going to be the guy at the center of that storm. And there's a lot of pressure on him to make the Ravens into a high-end contender. I'm going to go with Kellen Moore, the Chargers offensive coordinator. And look, I don't know how good he's going to be, but he's definitely going to have an impact. He's either going to be good enough that it's all going to work finally for the Chargers and they're going to fulfill their full potential with one of the great quarterbacks in the game or... It's all going to fall apart and everybody's getting fired and there'll be a new coaching staff next year. Once you give that huge contract to the quarterback, if the quarterback doesn't deliver. The quarterback's not the one who's getting shipped out. It's not going to happen in Cleveland, with Deshaun Watson, if it doesn't work this year, it's not going to happen in LA. If it doesn't work with Justin Herbert, they'll get somebody else to coach the guy in whom they've made the massive investment. So the pressure's on more. It's going to go one way or the other. And if it goes one way, great. If it goes the other way, they're going to clean out everybody, and they're going to start over again.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I'm, I, I, hear you there. That's um, definitely one to watch. And you know, we, we've said the, the offense, the system they ran the last few years, it, it, it failed Justin Herbert. It failed the Chargers. You're, it's like, it's like having the fastest receiver in football and going, we're only going to throw screen passes to you or short throws. Like you're like, what? you're never going to throw the ball deep. They had Justin Herbert, who I think has some of the farthest throws in football over the last few years, the hardest throws mile per hour wide. And they were trying to throw four and three yard throws all the time. They got weapons there. They got an old line for real now. There's no excuse. You're right. The pressure's on there. The whole coaching staff. But, yeah, people are going to be looking at Kellen Moore. All right. Well, I I mean, damn, I I left this on the table for you. I mean, I just kept leaving it there, and you're not going to take it, so I'll take it. Uh Oh, Uh -oh. I'm going to go with Brian Flores. I mean, first off, it can't get any worse. I mean, it could have got a little worse, but it was pretty damn bad. We know that. The Minnesota Vikings defense stunk last year. I mean, Stunk to the point we joked about it right teams teams would play them and the, the Vikings would be playing past events and they'd go ah eh, we're still gonna pass it they're so bad they think we're gonna pass it and we are gonna pass it and there's nothing they can do you guys would play nine guys at the line of scrimmage and they'd go ah eh, we can still run it on them but we'll just do it I mean so Brian Flores is gonna bring an attitude and a different creative element and attention to detail that just was not there and a toughness and a physicality and an attitude, like I said. So, yeah, Brian Flores is going to have an effect on that side of the ball for your Minnesota Vikings.
1: Yeah, I was hoping I would slip it through to round three. There are so many coordinators who are going to have an impact this year. I'm going to take the guy who I thought you were going to take in round three, but let me say this about Flores. Yeah. You're right. The defense can't be any worse than it was last year. It was horrible. It was abysmal. Now, I don't know about the personnel, But whatever the personnel is, Flores is going to get the most out of it. And they're not going to have a scheme that is going to get figured out and exposed. It's going to be week to week, game to game, what do we need to do? But the challenge is going to be coaching the guys up week in and week out so they can do whatever is expected of them that week. It can be overwhelming physically, and it can be overwhelming mentally. When your job dramatically changes – One week to the next. Oh, this week I'm rushing the passer. Oh, this week I'm dropping the coverage. Oh, wait, this week this is what we're doing. Oh, this week this is what we're doing. Oh, wait a minute, we got to do this. Well, what about this? And we're changing this and we're changing that. It can be mentally stimulating. It can also be exhausting. Yeah,
2: yeah, it it, it can be. And, and, you know, I think that Flores between Belichick having his own spin on things in Miami and figuring some things out there. Uh, I think he's grown in this department, too. And I'm kind of excited to see him almost just be the man on defense again and see what he brings to the table. You said it right. The talent's not great. It's, so I'm not expecting top 10 defense, but certainly expecting, you know, a 10-position jump from the 31st defense in football. I'd be disappointed if they weren't, like, a top 20 defense in football just because I have that much respect for Brian, Brian Flores. I don't think the talent really is a top 20 talent, but I, I respect him like that.
1: And think about last year, that one-year master class with Mike Tomlin. Yes, another. You see how he right. deals with players, uh-huh. how he gets more out of players, how he takes a collection of guys where you would say, it's going to be a long day, and the next thing you know, they're getting it done. Yeah. Because yeah. Mike Tomlin knows how to press the buttons and get the most out of each individual player. And I'm sure Flores was soaking up everything he could for Mike Tomlin. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And oh, that makes him even better definitely. now that he's in charge of the defense in Minnesota. All right. Um, look, I thought about saying Mike McCarthy, even though he's not the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys, he is as a practical matter. He's calling the plays. Yeah. And his future in Dallas may hinge on his ability to run that offense now that Kellen Moore has been run off. But I'm going to go with Bill O'Brien. There's been so much talk about how bad that offense was last year. So – Again, it's like the Vikings defense. It can't get any worse. The structure of the offense, the crayons and safety scissors and Elmer's glue offense, <laughs> it's next level now. It's rocket science with Bill O'Brien. And it's almost like the Eric Bieniemy situation where if it goes really well, Bill O'Brien isn't going to be there in 2024. They're going to be back to where they were without Bill O'Brien. They better have a damn good plan in the event that this works and he turns around Mac Jones and I've said this a time or two and I don't think it takes a genius to figure this out which qualifies me to make this statement if the Browns don't get what they need to out of Deshaun Watson Bill O'Brien's going to be the head coach of that team in 2024 it's too obvious of a dot to connect so hey Patriots hey good luck this year with Bill O'Brien but uh-oh uh oh! Bill O'Brien was only back for one year. He's a head coach again in the NFL.
2: Yeah, no, I mean you, you, you I agree with everything you said, and then I did think it's totally fair. Yeah, if things if things fall apart in Cleveland, why would you not be looking at Billy O'Brien? You know, it's it, it's interesting altogether the New England coaching situation. You know, I, I mean, I don't think Bill Belichick's going much longer anyways. So. You know, that's another reason. Guys like Billy O'Brien have a good year; they might want to get out of town. Where you know what's gonna, what is it gonna be there? I, I, I think in my heart of hearts, and from people I know around football and all that too, I, I mean we're we're coming down the home stretch here. Last year, maybe two more years for Bill Belichick, but I don't imagine it being much more than that. Do you think he cares about
1: catching Don Shula? Yes, like to
2: a degree but I don't know if he'll, like, stay in it for another year. I think he'd like to do it, but I don't think it's going to be one of those things where he's like, I was going to retire, but damn, I didn't catch him. I, I'll, I'll do it one more year. I don't think it's that crucial to him. I think he'll be just like, hey, you know, hey, Don Shule of the Dolphins, here's my, you know, six uh, Super Bowl rings, and I, I caught you in that department, and he can always sit back and, and
1: you know, enjoy that. Will pride cause him to walk away before Robert Kraft would make him run? Mm, that's a good question too.
2: I, I, I just feel like with those two guys, they're both, in my experience, very upfront. That nothing would be taught. You know, that they, they would discuss this. This would be where are you at? Where are you at? And I just feel like it will come to a amicable. Is that the right way to say that split? At the very end, well done. Thank you very much. I'm learning from you well, day by day here, but I, I don't think it'll be like, oh, you're going to fire me, then I'm just going to quit. I, I think it'll be something that's talked about, and there'll be a feel for, hey, this is
1: coming to an end. There will not be a cocktail napkin on which Bill Belichick writes, I resign as Steve, <laughs> the NDP. <Yeah>. All-timer. <laughs> and and, the, and the, we got to take a break, but there's a thought process out there that Gerard Mayo, it's just a matter of time before he's the next coach, but yep. I do know some folks who are fascinated by the possibility of Mike Vrabel being the next coach of the Patriots, mm-hmm. that they would work out a way. I don't think the Titans are giving him up. <laughs> I, wouldn't. I think it's going to take more than a few draft picks to get Mike Vrabel away from the Tennessee Titans, but that's a name that I've heard just as kind of like – Yeah, he's a New you know, England it, it type of guy. It makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. But a lot of it depends upon – he's tight with Bill Belichick too. A lot of it depends upon how amicable that split ultimately is. And whether or not Mike Vrabel would have Bill Belichick's blessing to come in and and take over. Vrabel may not want that. He may want to make his own legend in Tennessee instead of trying to follow Bill Belichick in New England. All right, let's take a break. The latest on Jonathan Taylor and what some folks around the league are saying about the Colts running back who officially has permission to seek a trade. More PFT Live right after this. I'll start off, um, I'm aware of obviously the reports with JT, uh, but my focus right now is on this football team and these joint practices and getting these guys ready to play for uh, Thursday night. Yeah, again, uh, that's, those are the reports right now, and uh, we're working through those things.
0: Are you hoping to see a resolution uh, at some point? In the near- like I said,
1: I mean, with any of those, I'll, I'll refrain all those questions to Chris Ballard. Yeah, don't ask me. I'm not the one who's in charge of this show. It's Chris Ballard, the GM of the team. I'm just the coach. I'll coach the players who are here. Shane Steichen, welcome to Indy. Congratulations on becoming a head coach. Your best player wants out. Uh, Not a whole lot happened yesterday, and there's not a whole lot that really can be said. What can you really say? The situation is what it is, and we just sit and wait and see. But each day that passes passes, We're getting closer and closer and closer to the start of the regular season. And it just feels like something that it's going to be harder to accomplish the deeper we go into the calendar. Unless Jonathan Taylor is willing to embrace a new team with no adjustment to his contract. And unless there's a team out there that's willing to trade for him as is at 4.3 this year plus the power to use the franchise tag next year, knowing that he may end up disgruntled. I would think you'd want to have a long-term deal in place with Jonathan Taylor if you're going to make the move. So to reiterate what we said yesterday, for those who missed the show and for those who didn't, it's awfully late in the game to be trying to pull this thing off, Chris. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like
2: I, I, I just can't imagine anybody at this point giving up anything of worth for Jonathan Taylor. Right. I mean, yeah, maybe if they were willing to give them away for a, I don't know, a middle middle of the pack draft pick and OK, maybe we just have to give them a little sweetener on this year or, you know, something short term. Maybe there'll be some teams to think of, Think about that. But, but yeah, even that's far-fetched. So it, it's hard to see right now where this goes or anywhere that it's going go to go as far as being positive for Jonathan Taylor and him getting what he wants. You know, it, it's just – it is what it is. Like you said, the teams aren't going to budge. They kind of are set in stone. They've spent money and, you know, Jonathan Taylor running back, we know that's usually not the type of investment or or risk teams take as far as – making trades at the running back position, and then having to pay the guy more money.
1: You know, the other side of this too, and the more I think about it, the more I believe it's a factor. You're going to have owners worried about how the league is going to react if all of a sudden, at a time when the running back market is depressed, you breathe new life into it, you resuscitate it, you increase the expenses that all the teams are going to have to pay moving forward. For running backs because you gave jonathan taylor this big contract there's going to be owners who think twice about it they don't want to be persona non grata at 345 park avenue or among the owners who actually run the show that's a factor and when you've already got your budget set there isn't some endless pot of money you set your budget before march that's why they get projections of the salary cap and they have things planned out year to year For a lot of these teams, the only money that's left is for the emergency signings that you make during the season. There isn't a lot of money laying around for some massive contract that's going to be handed out to somebody who's currently not on your team. You know, you may have some money you're holding back for Chris Jones in Kansas City, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, Nick Bosa in San Francisco. You don't have some pot of discretionary money just sitting there waiting to spend on whoever happens to become available, except in New York where they have thirty five million that Aaron Rodgers left behind, but they already spent that on Dalvin Cook and they have Brees Hall. So it's just it's virtually impossible to find a, a landing spot, Chris. And 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 these days are compressed. It's just we're getting closer and closer and closer. It's just moving faster and faster. I I think the Colts really are hoping Jonathan Taylor realizes I got nothing. I can yeah, do. So I, I think the so. Colts play yeah, well, right? Put a pin in it and and uh, take it up next March. Yeah, he hey, most well, Mike, of the two, two. oh sorry, Mike. Go just ahead.
2: on top of that, I mean, you know, think about if you're a team too. It's like, wait, wait. You know, he he was injured in the off season. He hasn't played. He hasn't done anything. Is he in shape? Is he ready to go right now? Oh yeah, let's trade a a high pick and give him more money, even though we we don't know is he going to be ready to go to start the year. What kind of shape he's in? That That's not helping or, or benefiting him either. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to cut you off there.
1: No, no, but it's a great point. Big picture. Draft pick investment, a lot of money, at a devalued position, where we're not sure how healthy the guy is, and the only way to justify the investment is to reconfigure our offense to make him the centerpiece. Like, you know, if I'm trading my 2024 draft pick anyway for this guy, let's just wait until after the season and trade for him then. When we can make an informed decision as to where he is from a health standpoint, when we have a chance to breathe, when we have a chance to really let this digest and assess our needs and figure out where we are, and maybe we can pay him then, maybe that's when we make our move, it's just too much happening too quickly. It all gets back to what we've been saying. We've been saying this from the moment the issue first came up. Why is this happening now? It should have played out in March if Jonathan Taylor wasn't happy and he definitely shouldn't have shown up for training camp if he wanted to take a stand against the Indianapolis Colts. Raheem Mostert of the Dolphins in response to the news that the Dolphins would explore the possibility of trading for Jonathan Taylor. Mostert said I'm not worried about another man coming in. I'm worried about perfecting my craft. He said that Mike McDaniel gave him a heads up last year when a running back was brought in. They traded for Jeff Wilson during the season. If it gets close, I'm assuming they would come to me and tell me, well hopefully most of it will tell the world if it happens. But I still like the Dolphins I think would only make the move if they can get Jonathan Taylor for a bargain basement cost Agreed. both as to draft pick and contract. Agreed. You know, they, they they got some
2: they got some contract issues coming down the pipe themselves here. You know, that's 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 one of the issues when you have an awesome roster like we talked about before and saying they had the best roster in the AFC East. One of the best in football. So, yeah, I mean, you know, back to the point. Are you going to really trade important assets and give, you know, money to a guy when you got – I mean, you're going to get Tua, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, I mean, other corners. They got people uh, – Christian Wilkins is still out and got figured out. I mean, they got people coming out of their ears as far as they got to pay here coming up in the next few years. So, yeah, I just – I don't see it either, unless it's just an unbelievable bargain to be had. That's why they were interested in Dalvin Cook. He was free, and they were hoping they could get him for such a low number that it would make sense. But I don't see this
1: playing out quite that way. I remember a time six, seven, eight years ago at the league meetings interviewing Jerry Jones, and there was a question about some player who was available And I tried to frame it in a way like, can you at least tell me you're not interested? And, you know, he wouldn't even go there because the tampering rules. Well, that didn't stop him. It didn't stop him yesterday. He was asked about Jonathan Taylor. He said, I look at every opportunity. But the way our young backs are playing, I'm very comfortable with where we are with our backs right now. I feel good about our running back position if we didn't add anybody. And look, that tells me they don't have interest. They just got burned by the Ezekiel Elliott contract. The last thing they're going to do is give some massive contract to a guy who has never played for them before. That's right. They're not going to do that. No. They're just not going to do that.
2: No. And they're paying a running back $10 million on the roster already. Does that sound like a Dallas Cowboy thing to do? And just like we just talked about with the Miami Dolphins, they got contracts coming down the pipe here that they're, they're scared about. Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons. like Micah. Oh, oh Yeah. Holy crap, they're going to have to pay some people here. They just paid Zach Martin. Like I'm, I don't believe him in that he is so confident in his running back room. Right? I mean, Ronald Jones is going to be suspended a little. Tony Pollard, we still don't know where that's at totally. But you know, I, they're they're obviously happy with Deuce Vaughn. He's been making some plays and showing. And you know, they're going to rely on some of these other guys they got just to hold down the fort until Pollard Pollard's totally healthy and and Ronald Jones is back in the mix.
1: They know what's coming with Michael Parsons. They know damn well to expect to be the highest paid player on the defensive side of the ball in the entire NFL the moment the window opens on his ability to get a second contract. That's right. He's savvy, he's aware, and he's great at what he does. They better be ready to pay him. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a look at some of the best catches from the second week of the twenty twenty three preseason. More PFT live right after.
2: Oh, what a catch.
1: Oh, what a catch. Week two of the 2023 preseason. We begin with Drake London. This is how you make a 50-50 ball. 80-20. Jump up and snag it out of the air. Just one of the many weapons the Falcons have. And there's that second foot. Second foot. Oh, knee. Knee Knee counts. One knee is two feet. That's right. One knee. One knee is two feet. One hand is two hands, Mike. Here's B. John Robinson. First catch in the NFL, one-handed doesn't get into the end zone, but still makes a little highlight there, making that catch just a little off target, a little bit behind me, no big deal. No big gloves help as well, Chris. Yeah, yeah, and, and the Jets Bluff's receiver.
2: Up. I'm excited to see him go, Mike. Whoa, this is a this is a great. Irvin
1: Charles, Ooh, big body. Irvin Charles, boom, and there it is.
2: See, that's why you like big receivers. You can just put it in the area and go, oh, he'll go up and get it. Look at that big Aaron Rodgers will love
1: that. Just put it close and I'll go get it. We looked at this one earlier. This is more like, oh, what a
2: throw. I mean,
1: damn, I don't know. He put it in his damn pocket,
2: but, but still, it was still a nice play.
1: But that ball's coming in. That ball's dropping right in there. You still got to make that catch. And then he runs it in, unfortunately, at the tail end. Left hand hits the ground. Wrist surgery out for three or four weeks. Kendry? Kendry. Kendry Miller. Didn't he have a knee injury? Wasn't he out until week one? (laughs) There he is, Sunday night, Uh... in the middle of a storm. Thankfully, they're under the carport in L.A. He's able to make the diving catch against the Chargers. I was actually people in the stands. I'm surprised people showed up in the middle of that tropical storm. Rams rookie Xavier Smith, the night before, taking on the Raiders at SoFi Stadium. Man, look at this! What look, reflexes! It looked the like he was protecting right himself. At his <laughs> face! It was going to be an NFL Films highlight of a ball ricocheting off of his helmet, right? <laughs> but he gets his hands up in time. Oh, Quan Martin, Martin, Commanders cornerback. This is great. He yeah. makes the he makes it's like he makes the play, and it's like, hey, look. There's the ball. I think I'll catch it.
2: <laughs> and that then, then oh, then tries to take doesn't. It the house.
1: Almost doesn't.
2: Yeah. Almost doesn't. Baller. He One of these uh, Illinois uh corners of the, or the safeties. That's awesome, Mike. We'll be right
1: back for PFT Live right after this.
0: Moving on from I
1: did Nick CD guys practiced without
0: the fight today. This is an in-house thing. Man, we're a team. You know, we ain't going to let nobody come in our house and take over. But, you know, we're going to continue to work hard even every day. We will their ass up.
1: Got a little feisty yesterday between the Eagles and the Colts to the point where they called practice off after a brawl. And the ingredients were there. You have a team that's already established itself right. as one of the bullies. Right. You've got a team that's trying to establish itself, trying to compete, trying to stand out, trying to keep up in a – conference where they are also ran at very best. So we're going to go in there. We're going to we're going to uh, show them what's what. We're going to go show the Eagles what we're all about. And this is one of the issues with the joint practices. And you've got more and more coaches saying one day is enough because by the second day there's a lot of lingering animosity. Well, it exploded right out of the gates man, for the Colts and Eagles who play on Thursday night. That's the thing, too. Even though they called off practice, they're still going to play in the game. This gets back to what we're saying. If the NFL is going to be obsessive about a guy – pointing a finger at somebody and causing that guy to you know, make the Ryan Howard list like uh, he did when he was back at Dunder Mifflin after getting indicted for fraud or whatever it was he did. But if you made the list, they're going to be acting out on that list during the game on Thursday night. That's what to watch out for. Regardless of pulling the plug on practice, Chris, whatever happened there between the Eagles and the Colts could spill over to tomorrow night when they meet for a game that we'll all be watching in primetime. At least those of us who can't wait for football season to start will be yeah. tuned in. I think it's an Amazon Prime game. It's a little dry run for them, and uh, it could get a little it could get a little interesting. Well, definitely.
2: And then you hear like the comments after. You could tell the Eagles players are still a little a little upset about it. And that's where yeah, the payback thing happens. I'm going to be interested to see next year where this goes with all these joint practices. I the, again, the league is worried about player safety. That's all they talk about. We're in the meeting with the NFL. We're getting to the point where two-hand touch is illegal in some place. But then they're going to let brawls go on. And then one of their things is, yes, player safety, but also how it looks to the youth. That's one thing that's sold to us and we hear about all the time. And I don't know. All I've seen during training camp is fights. That's That's all the youth sees. My son shows me one every day on TikTok. So is that what we're trying to do? See, that's where they're just a disconnect. And and just the league and talking out of both sides of their mouth there. You know, onto the field surface thing and all that. And I just I, – I, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes because I think the league is going to have to govern this at some point.
1: I think they like the interest that the fights generate at a time when there aren't real games to generate. Maybe. That's the only explanation I have. They like the fact there's money to be had in the engagement and the views and the discussion about it. Here's Jason Kelsey who – started the fight by blindsiding Zaire Franklin at the end of a play, both Kelsey and Franklin talking about what happened yesterday.
3: Um, you know, I think tensions just got the better of me. Um, certainly, you know, we try and keep things civil on the field, and I think for me, um, I pride myself on, on being a guy that sustains the, the emotion and the level of play out there, and I let my emotions get the better of me. Um, that certainly doesn't belong out there on the field, and uh, you know, just you know, a little bit ashamed that it, it got to that level and um, that that I did what I did. So uh, certainly, you know, not happy about that. And you know, I think very highly of the guys that were out there, in particular, 44 Zaire, I think you know he's a tremendous player. Um, I think all of their guys up front. And they brought a lot of intensity to the day, which made the practice intense. And, um, you know, I think uh, I didn't handle things properly there at the end. You know, just want to reiterate that, you know, that's not something that I should have done or uh, should happen out there. You know, it was a a cheap shot.
0: It's funny, you know, obviously growing up in Philly, watched him play for a long time. A lot of respect for him. Um, Talked to him a little bit after we played him last year. You know, thought the OGs would at least look me in the eye before, you know, but... It's all good. I'm going to get a chance to look him in the eye on Thursday, so we're going to be okay. See? Oh, there it is. That's there it is, I mean. Chris. I'm yeah. going to
1: get a chance to look him in the eye on Thursday. All right. So. They're going to be looking for hey, him. Hey, Hey, whoever. Whoever is officiating that game, be advised. Be advised. You better make sure that – and even then, how much can you police it? Because it's not about stuff that may happen after the play. It's that gratuitous shot that gets taken against the guy within the confines of the rules that is perfectly legal, but the guy's going out of his way to go put a little something extra on it because he's pissed off about what happened on Tuesday. That's exactly why they need to take a look at this. You don't want that familiarity among the two teams who are going to be playing each other. No, period. no.
2: That's where, you know, it gets back to, we, we talked about this a little, I think, earlier in the week, or maybe it was late last week, I can't even remember, but, like, hey, you know, consequences are what keep the world in order. If we didn't have speed limits or cops on the side of the highway, we'd have a, people going 100 miles per hour down the highway. If we don't have, they don't have that right now. There's nothing. Oh, I blindsided this guy. He's admitting he gave a guy a cheap shot on the other team, and there's no consequence. So, what's next time I'm a little hangry and whatever else, it probably will happen again. And that's, to me, where there's a disconnect right there between player safety, the league, what we want to put out there as a league, all that. And then, yes, they're going to be payback on Thursday night on top of that.
1: Yeah, the uh, the consequences are – team handled discipline which consists of the coach saying hey um <laughs> you better you shouldn't you probably shouldn't do that uh, uh you probably shouldn't do that um all right let's take a break we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this Chris Jones saying on Twitter that he will be back week 8 response was that that'd be a hefty tab he says, I can afford it. It works out to about $7.5 million of his $19.5 million salary if he skips the first seven weeks of the season and shows up week eight. And I don't want to get into the CBA niceties, but there's, there's, as a practical matter, a deadline. If you want to get credit for this year of your contract and become a free agent next year, that's when you need to show up to get on the field in time, to be eligible for enough games, Chris, that you check the box on this year of your contract and you head to free agency next year course the chiefs could still still franchise tag him if they wanted to
2: yeah i I mean listen i'm a little worried here the chiefs don't have like standout dean lyman he's their difference maker there so it's getting a little long and a little concerning here and also whatever his name is there on the tweet that was calling out chris jones shut up it's you're not it's his life and he's worth more than 20 million dollars a year time to pay chiefs time to go see
1: you tomorrow